I'm a mess. Uh, <laughs> you ever heard somebody say, I'm a, I'm a hot mess? I don't know where the line is between just being a mess and a hot mess, but a hot mess, you don't want to mess with that, right? Um, you know, we, we're a mess. We mess things up. Uh, and if you uh, agree with that statement, you're going you're gonna to get a lot out of the next few weeks of sermons uh, because we're talking about how we are messy people and we, we are a part of a messy church. God's church is perfect, and then we're all part of it. Um, and so uh, things get messy. We'll see this in the scriptures, um, and I'm really excited about preaching through um, this series. It's interesting. I, I, I don't get it. Uh, I've seen it for a long time. Uh, but I, in the church, in the Christian world, so often we put so much energy and effort into looking good when things aren't actually good. You know, even on Sundays, we wear our Sunday best traditionally. Um, I don't, <laughs> I'm not, and I'm, I'm just not into that. Um, and, you know, someone asks you on Sunday morning, maybe even during the fellowship break, this happened to you, someone said, hey, how are you doing? And you said, good. Some of you have been good for seven years. Uh, Every time, there's, and that's just not true. How are you really doing? Somebody say, how are you really doing, bro? And then you're like, well, okay, not, not good. Uh, I'm a mess. And then sometimes, you know, beyond just kind of like trying to pretend that we're good, we can take this whole thing to another level, and we can kind of walk around judgmental, disappointed, disillusioned, because... In our minds, in our hearts, this gets into us, we can start to believe that people are not as clean as we are, a.k.a. not as good, not as perfect as we are. That's where this goes too far. Where did that come from? How did that get into the church? It definitely didn't come from Jesus. While he was reclining at table in the house, in the house many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now when he heard this, he said, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, the clean, but the sinners, the messy. Jesus knew that real life is messy. And when he came, he didn't come to avoid the mess. He could have avoided the mess. But he came and he was willing to enter into the mess, our mess. So much so that he was nicknamed a friend of sinners. But so often we want things to be neat and tidy. I think maybe especially in our spiritual life, we think this should be, if there's going to be one area that should be clean, good, right, perfect. It should be our spiritual life. That's not, that's not what we see, and, I, and, I, and I'm excited to show you. First, there's a question, you know, who defines clean? I'm kind of introducing the whole series to us here, and we'll get a little more specific in a moment here. But who defines clean? You know, in our house, everybody in our house has a different standard of clean. Beth likes things to actually be clean, like disinfected. Uh, I'm cool if things are just decluttered. 
or tidied up. I'll be like, I cleaned the kitchen. She'd be like, nope, uh, that, that's not what happened here. Uh, <laughs> there are less dishes on the counter, uh, but that is not clean. Um, Genevieve uh, brings up a stack of bowls and cups from her room once a week that is taller than her, and she's a very tall person. Uh, not clean. And then Amelia, she creates a mess just by existing, uh, just by when she enters a room, um, it's messy. And I think that's so true of us. When you look around here in this church family, we all emphasize righteousness in a different way. Your clean is a little different from my clean, and it's all not the same as God's standard of what clean is. You know, maybe some of us hold in high regard sexual sin, but we neglect other sins like anger or slander. Some of us, maybe we feel it's okay to be unloving sometimes if it's for righteousness. Some of us maybe prefer attendance over attentiveness, like you've got to be there, you've got to be there. And some of us, maybe quality. When I'm there, I'm there over quantity. And some of us maybe just blame everybody else for the mess. Uh, like, what is going on? We think, man, if this church was just cleaned up, and I mean literally there are some messes in this church uh, we're working on. Um, and, I, and I'm so grateful for the road work to give us an illustration for this uh, all month. You get, What's a messy church look like? It looks like that. Um, but people think, man, if, if we could just clean this up, or if this was better, this church would be perfect. Nope. I think sometimes we want that. We want a sterilized, clean church. That makes us feel better. But have you ever considered this? God selected Abraham. You're like, you're reading Genesis. You start reading the Bible. You're like, oh man, Abraham's great. And then wait, hold up. What, what did he have his wife do? Like, he picked some really messy people who did some messed up things to build his kingdom. Then he works through the children of, of Abraham, his grand, great, great grandkids. Um, and they're a mess. The book of Genesis is like, what is happening here? But that's how he... He chose his, his special nation. You read Jesus' family tree, and some the names you know, they've got issues. And then you think about the family tree after Jesus and the history of the church over the last couple of thousand years. It's a mess. But here's the thing. It's a mess, but God works best in the mess. And so that's what we're going to talk about these next couple of sermons. Um, we're going to do something here... Um, where we're going to go from Romans chapter 2 to the book of 1 John. We're going, to, we're going to flip like that. Because in Romans, there's a mess. And then in John, we learn, uh, 1 John, how God wants us to approach when there's a mess. So if you can find those two things in your Bible, you can do it right now, you'll be on track with the whole message today. Um, I knew that that was coming, so I put bookmarks in my Bible. Huh? Um, all right, so... Messy people is what we're going to talk about specifically today. Yeah, go past that. Okay. Um, so what's happening in Romans is we're going to hear, and this is, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, but, but you might have a little bit different version. That's okay. Um, in Romans chapter 2 and 3, there are, there's two kinds of Christians in the Roman church. There are Christians that had a Jewish background and Christians that came from a Gentile or non-Jewish background. And there was a conflict between those Christians, mostly because the Jewish Christians thought 
they were awesome. They thought they were the best. They thought they were clean. And they thought that the Gentile Christians were a mess, and they judged them and looked down on them. So that gives you some of this. And so the first, the first point I want to give us this morning is, is avoid the temptation to call yourself clean. We were singing that last song, um, and, uh, and uh, I sang the words, uh, a wretch like you, instead of a wretch like me. And Doug Hervey's like, what did you say? It doesn't sound right. We say, uh, you know, a wretch like you. We don't sing that, but you know what? Our hearts go there sometimes. And that's exactly where the Romans were. So let's read this together here. Romans chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 17. This is Paul. He says, but if you call yourself a, a Jewish Christian, is the real context there, and rely on the law and boast in God, and know his will, and approve what is excellent, because you're instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of the knowledge and truth, that all sounds pretty good, right? You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say uh, that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Ouch. You know, the first step to really being righteous, if you want to be clean, is admitting that you're not. That we're a mess. If we can have humility, then we can grow. God can work with us. But without humility, with pride, that's where the real messes begin. You know, what we, what we often try to do is we try to fix the mess ourselves. We keep it quiet. We work on it. We don't talk about it because we want to look good. Jesus' death on the cross is the ultimate evidence. It's all you need to know that you can't fix it yourself. Jesus wouldn't have needed to die on the cross if there was a way that we could fix it ourselves. Admitting our need for God, that's the first step towards cleansing our hearts. This is what John says in 1 John. I'm going to flip back and forth here. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 5, he says, This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. You know, I think a lot of times we attribute walking in the darkness to, like, the lost and really sinful people. Oh, they're walking in the dark. But read, like, John chapter 9. That whole chapter is devoted to Jesus calling the religious people, the people who think that they're righteous, they're the blind ones. They're walking in the darkness. And so we have to be so careful that as we grow in God, that we don't grow in pride so that we can keep growing in God. Amen? All right, so maybe you're thinking right now, like, yeah, this is a good message for everybody in this church. Um, I'm talking to you. <laughs> you! And, and I'm talking to me. Let's look in Romans chapter 3. Felt like Paul kind of dropped the mic at the end of that last passage we looked at in Romans, but nope, he was still holding the mic. 
Hasn't dropped it yet. Here we go. Romans 3 uh, in verse 9. He says, what then? Are we Jewish Christians any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks are under sin as it is written. No one or none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. They have uh, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole word, world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And so Paul says, no one is righteous in this passage. Not even one. That is, that's gospel. There's nobody who's figured it out. And nobody is going to figure it out. We need Jesus. All right, are you with me on that? And so what should, what should we do then? Here's, here's what I think we should do. First John, um, and this is what John thinks too, okay? First John 1 verse 8, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We should celebrate confession. What if we celebrated confession? You know, I think we teach confession. We, we have house churches. We have small groups. We talk about, hey, you got to get open. If, you, if you're struggling with temptation, if you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling with addiction, you got to get open. We teach that. We encourage it. But do we celebrate it. I think a lot of times when somebody comes clean, we're still kind of like taking them back. We're like, oh, I thought, I thought you were a Christian. What? Shocked. Someone finally gets the courage. The Holy Spirit works in their heart to say what's really going on. Do you think it's helpful when you're like, what? <laughs> that's, that's not the right move. That's for sure. It doesn't help them be open next time. What if we celebrate it? And then I want to give us a few notes on what that means to celebrate confession. We're celebrating confession, not the sin. It's not like, yeah, you sinned. No. We're excited that you were open. Okay? And we're, we're celebrating the relationship. That's an amazing thing. It's not like you have like a, a priest in a box that you talk to, and it's all anonymous. When we share with you, we're sharing with people who know us, people who are a part of our lives. That's tough. And so there's, there's a celebration of, of that relationship. Um, I, got, I got real about some feelings this week with a brother, and, and I felt so much better afterwards. I didn't even know that I would feel that much better afterwards. But that, it was because there's a relationship of trust. That's the only way that that could happen. We celebrate the hope that comes with coming clean about things. There's a lot of work to do after we confess. You know, it's not always a magical fix, but it's the starting point, and there's hope. 
And then we can celebrate the recommitment of needing Jesus. Instead of trying to work it out on our own, on our own, we've confessed and we realize we need help. And ultimately, we need Jesus. Um, I want to look at one more thing here. Okay, I'm going to skip this one actually. Um, and that is that Jesus works best with a mess. Let's look back in Romans chapter 3. It's one thing to say, oh yeah, we're a mess. We're a but, but do you really believe that Jesus works best with a mess? I want you to think about that. If you're honest, hey, okay, I'm not perfect. In fact, it's pretty messy. That's the, that is the perfect spot for Jesus to do great things in your life. Do you really believe that? Romans 3, verse 21. I'm doing a, a pretty messy job of clicking my slides today. <laughs> I feel like I have it just, there's like a built-in excuse with everything that could go wrong through this sermon series. Like, ah, it's a mess, you know? Um, that's not the point. Okay, uh, Romans 3, verse 21. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Notice he doesn't say the righteousness of when you've been a Christian for a really long time and you figure everything out and now you're good to go. That's not in the Bible. Okay? We're going to grow, we're going to mature but we're going to need Jesus for every single step of the way. And he goes on, he says, For there's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Without Jesus, that's the end of the story, but there's more to this sentence, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, that's such a good word, by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over the former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so when we talk about no one being righteous, part of that is it just shows how righteous and amazing our God is. That's an amazing thing. Jesus, Jesus is not, when you sin, Jesus does not go, oh. he's not shocked. He's not surprised. He came because of our sin. He died on the cross because that was the only way to clean up the mess that's in our lives. He's not surprised. It hurts, sin hurts. Sin has consequences, but it doesn't surprise your God. It's the very reason why he came. Look in 1 John one more time here. Chapter 2. In verse 1. And I love this. So right after John says, hey, we've got to confess. We should celebrate confession. The very next words he says after that are so comforting. He says, my little children. I just, I, we can just stop there. I just walk off the stage. Like, isn't that amazing? My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Here's that word again. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, 
but also for the sins of the whole world. And propitiation means he took our place. He became sin so that we could be forgiven. That's the only way to clean up this mess. Here I am flipping my slides terribly again. Um, That's incredible. My little children. If you're a mess, that's where God does his best work. He uses the messy people who are willing to admit that, who are willing to rely on him to build his kingdom. It's true throughout the whole Old Testament. You read the Old Testament, there's times where you're just like, this is a mess. Yep, and that's who God used. And it's true in the New Testament. Before and after, I want you to look at this here. Peter uh, was a messy apostle. It's so incredible to me. He took, after telling Jesus, Jesus said, who am I? Peter confesses, you are the Christ. You're the Savior of the world. And then after that, so it's not like he didn't know how amazing Jesus was, he pulls Jesus aside to rebuke him. What? Talk about messy. Then, of course, he denies Jesus. And we think, well, then then after Jesus rose and the church started, Peter was the man, right? Well, no, he... He almost rebukes the Lord again in this vision about, hey, you can eat all the foods. And I'm so grateful that that Peter wasn't right about that. We get to eat all the foods, amen? Uh, And and then in in Galatians 2, he actually gets rebuked by Paul. He's still a mess, just like us. And he's the guy with the keys to the kingdom. He was an amazing man, an amazing man of God, but still a mess. Paul, he's, I think he started to get it. If you look at the timeline of his life, you know, he starts off, he says, he's unworthy to be an apostle. Like, you shouldn't call him one of the great leaders in the church. But then, a few years later, he's like, you know, not only am I unworthy to be an apostle, I am, the, I am in last place as a saint. If you want to call, of all the Christians, if we rank all the Christians, which we should never rank all the Christians, but if we did, that's, if we did, Paul's like, put me last. But then a, little, a few years later, as he's getting close to death, he's like, you know what? That's actually, that was too high of an estimation. It's messier than that. You take all the sinners in the whole world, and I'm the worst. He grew more humble, more aware of his need for God to be the only one who could cleanse him. I want to close with this and we'll pray and take communion. Just a few practicals for you to think about as we go into this, uh, this series here. First of all, is just accept that you're a mess and confess. It rhymes. Accept that you're a mess and confess. And if someone confesses to you, celebrate it. Okay? Put your worst foot forward. <laughs> that's, that's what we need to do. Okay? Both of my feet are pretty bad. I shouldn't be wearing sandals. Um, <clears throat> And then the next thing is accept one another as a mess. Expect it even. Someone's like, yeah, I'm I'm struggling. Yeah, that makes sense. And then lastly, and this is what we're going to get into as we get into the next few sermons here, is it's our mess, okay? We're not alone in this. We're, 
we're, ma- we're making a big mess all together. <laughs> Uh, that, that's what this is. And uh, next week, we've got a guest speaker coming, coming from Detroit, Illumide Faulkner. He's awesome. Come on. Um, we've got some Illumide fans here, and he's going to continue talking about this, especially our relationships within the church. So that's going to be so good. Uh, but we have messy relationships. This is what we're going to get into in the coming weeks. Parenting, that's so messy. Marriage is messy. Dating, discipleship, all that, right? Um, and, and we live in a messy community. The world we live in, the Lansing area, it needs, it needs God. Um, and, and knowing that, understanding how to deal with that, that's the goals of these series. Um, here's the thing, we're going to take communion right now. And Jesus wanted you to remember the messiest moment of his life when he died on the cross for your sins. And the messiest moment in the history of the world when we killed the Savior who was perfect, the only one who wasn't a mess. That's what he wanted you to remember right now. That should put an exclamation point on this whole sermon. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, uh, <laughs> we're a mess. Uh, we, we come to you, um, and, and we know that even, even the most righteous among us uh, is filthy in, when we compare ourselves to what righteousness truly is. We don't even fully know. We can't know what that is. Uh, Lord, we strive after knowing what your standard is, how you want us to live, uh, but we, we know that we need to do that through humility. Uh, Jesus was perfect. If anybody could have been self-righteous, uh, it was the one who truly was righteous himself, and yet he was the most humble. May we follow that example as we take his body and his blood in communion right now, uh, and as we commune together after church today uh, and throughout the week, Lord, I pray that it can be a week full of um, confession, full of uh, coming clean, full of you using us um, in in spite and because of the messes that we are. Uh, We praise you for this time of communion in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God. Thank you.